Well, good evening, everybody. It's Chris here from the Muscle Stop Cafe in Mir, Alberta. And it is 9.53 on a balmy Thursday evening in Mir, Alberta. What a beautiful day it was today. So I just wanted to do a quick recap on the uh, National Citizens Inquiry that I attended today in Red Deer, Alberta at the Baymont Hotel. Uh, if you haven't been, why haven't you been? You should be. Um, the events over the last three years are probably the most interesting, weird, and significant things that have happened in our lifetime, at least in the top three. Uh, and there's a group of people traveling across Canada, talking to people and hearing their stories about how the last three years affected them, how we could do things better and things like that. And I think it's really important. And I'm really puzzled as to why there aren't more people there. Actually, you know what? I'm not. I'm not puzzled because I wasn't originally going to participate in this. Um, I only did because people kept on bugging me to go. They kept bugging me to go and share my story and testify um, so that my story could be on the record. I mean, I've already got a record. Probably going to have more of a record. My life is like a broken record. But anyway, this is a different kind of record. It's just regular people doing something to try and bring awareness to the other side of the story that you will not hear from the mainstream media. By the way, the mainstream media was not there. None of them. They're all a bunch of spineless wimps. And they will do nothing but toe the government line, probably because they receive $1.3 billion in funding. But what do I know? I'm just a burger flipper. Anyway, uh, it is 9.55 now. And uh, I got to get up early. I'm going to be there again tomorrow. Yes, I'll be there tomorrow at the Baymont Hotel in Red Deer at 9 a.m. I'll be there at 9 a.m. And I'll be testifying at 9.15. I will be sharing parts of my story, although not all of it, because most of it is before the courts in another matter right now. So I can't talk about that. But I will be sharing a lot of the things that I've learned and a lot of things that I've seen uh, from other people over the last three years, some of which is heartbreaking, like some of the testimony we heard today. So let's get right into it. What did I see at the National Citizens Inquiry in Red Deer, Alberta today? Well, first thing I saw uh, was the beginning, which is weird. Uh, that means I wasn't late. As a matter of fact, I was a little bit early, not as early as I wanted to be, but I actually got there on time to catch uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel David Redmond, retired, uh, his testimony. So uh, just a brief recap of, uh, of Colonel David Redmond's testimony. Oh, and by the way, some of you may wonder why I say lieutenant and not lieutenant. That's because in Canada, we call them a lieutenant. Sounds strange, right? But you have to remember, we have British roots. And in Britain, a lieutenant is the person who hands you toilet paper after you take a big shit. So we wouldn't want to call our uh, you know, our, our army officers, lieutenants here, because that would be derogatory to our British roots. So we call them lieutenant. Anyway, Lieutenant Colonel David Ritman. Uh He's been involved in emergency response and disaster planning for years. Uh, he was, uh, actually, he was in Europe when the Solidarity Movement uh, brought down communism in Poland. He was there when the German, when the, the, the Berlin Wall came down. He's been there, he's seen that, and he's been involved in countless uh, 
uh, emergency and disaster relief operations in his lifetime. He also wrote the book on a lot of this stuff, specifically for Alberta. And when the Alberta government started implementing plans and not following the um, pre-planned plans, the prior plans that prevent poor performance, uh, he sounded the alarm. He sent letters to all the premiers. Is that laughing idiot back here again? Where is that laughing idiot? I'll find him. I'm going to find you, you laughing idiot. Unless it's actually funny laughing because it says something funnier than I'm sorry. Anyway, um, so he, he was involved in this. He wrote the book on it, spent his life's work doing it, and he watched it go terribly, terribly wrong. He watched the Alberta government, what's the word, abrogate their responsibility in uh, making the decisions that had to be made during this emergency. And he watched them give it over to the chief medical officer of health, who is neither an expert in emergency planning or in medicine, by the way, not even a very good doctor. And he sounded the alarm, wrote letters. He was involved in uh, court cases. He did everything he could to tell the premiers and government, stop doing what you're doing. Like, give me a call because you guys are doing this horribly wrong. And if you want to get through this without uh, taking away people's rights and freedoms, there is a way. Let me help. Anyway, they didn't. So that's what we heard from him. Uh, I will highly recommend if you didn't already try and go back and watch, just watch as much of the lives as I've, as I put up. If you got some time, like put it on in the car, listen to it. Don't watch it because that's dangerous. Um, but this is important stuff and it's really eye opening. So after Lieutenant Colonel David Redmond was a man by the name of, oh, I'm terrible with names. I don't remember faces, but I'm horrible with names. What's his name? It'll come to me. Anyway, he was a doctor, uh, a doctor who's currently employed by Alberta Health Services at Services and still doing doctory things in the ER. Uh, I'm not sure where, probably right here or something. Though. Anyway, his testimony was interesting as well. Uh, it basically went like this. In the beginning, he was cap captured by the fear that was pushed on all of us around the COVID pandemic. He was, you know, bought into all these things. And <clears throat> if he was sick or had sniffles, he would isolate himself in the top floor of his house without saying goodnight or anything to his family because he was worried everyone was going to die from COVID. And little by little, he realized, hey, you know, this isn't quite what it is. And he started asking questions, which is the responsibility of doctors and scientists. They're supposed to ask questions and put forth hypotheses and, and try and prove or disprove certain things so we can come to a conclusion and find the truth, right? That's what he was doing. He was doing his duty as a doctor. But the people above him didn't like that. So he was disciplined, reprimanded for doing things as, uh, as extreme as posting things on social media like, well, time will tell. Or maybe we should weigh the costs and benefits of this particular intervention so that we can do better and make sure we're doing the best thing for Albertans. I know, horrible, horrible extremist views, right? Watch his testimony. It's very good, very interesting guy, super uh, fast-talking guy. And you know what he did? He, he gave a real shout-out to Canada and Alberta. Uh, he is a visible minority, and he said that he has never actually experienced the racism in Canada 
that or the white supremacy that the prime minister um, says is on the freedom loving Canadian side. So that was nice to hear somebody stand up for Canadians who are, you know, very inclusive and accepting, um, you know, to hear him say that was great. Anyway, watch his testimony. He's an evidence-based guy and he was just trying to do what he is supposed to do as a doctor. He mentioned the Hippocratic oath he took to first do no harm. And he meant, he, he basically said that that's what he was trying to do in good faith and Alberta Health Services didn't want to have any of it, and he was punished for it. So, watch his testimony. There were a few other uh, vaccine injuries that testified today. One woman uh, was convinced by her doctor to get a, uh, a pharmaceutical intervention to protect her from uh, the COVID-19 virus because... She has a condition which makes her have very thick blood and she's susceptible to clotting. COVID causes clotting. So therefore, you know, she should probably protect herself against COVID, get the vaccine, and she would be better off. So she did. Had an adverse reaction, had a very tough time with it, uh, talked to her doctor about it. Um, she had heart problems. Uh, watch, watch her testimony. She'll tell you about the other issues she had, but it didn't sound pleasant. And it was quite obvious to everybody, except for obviously those making these decisions, that this may in fact be the result of a reaction to that medical intervention. However, in the end, her cardiologist told her that she needs to get that shot. She needs to. She has to do it. A nurse and a doctor that were in the room with her, you know, told their story about how they're so happy they got theirs and everything was great and rosy and they're they did their part and blah, 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 and she needs to too, even after she had a reaction to the first shot. Got her second shot, and now she's in some pretty rough shape. Uses a walker to walk. She's 30-some-odd years old. Um, a walker or a cane to walk. Can't function like she used to do. Runs out of energy all the time. Is a claimant on the vaccine harms, uh, vaccine injury uh, compensation plan or whatever. And now her doctors actually say, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I guess you did have a reaction. But her life is in shambles because of it. Um, horrible story to hear that this happened to this lady, but I think people need to hear it because there's this idea going around now for whatever reason that whatever the government or Alberta Health Services tells you to do is safe and effective and just do it and don't question it. And if anything bad happens afterwards, it could possibly be the result of that. It must be something bad that you did 20 years ago when you were a kid. So, you know, blame yourself. Don't blame the doctors pushing this on you. Anyway, there was another uh, lady who testified, and this one was really rough. It hit uh, hit pretty hard, not just to me, but to everybody in that room. It was a story very similar to one I heard in the third week of my civil disobedience in protest of terrible government policies that were causing harm and death to the people of Alberta and the people of Saskatchewan, which is the story that uh, came to me shortly after I started my protest. Uh, this lady had a son who had a traumatic uh, brain injury when he's young, caused him some issues that he had to work through, uh, anxiety and you know some uh, some some mental uh, health issues that were overcomable, but he needed some help. Long story short, the system absolutely failed him, and it failed him because the psychiatrist that he seek sought out to try and help him with his problems, to become more functional and get into school and 
overcome his uh, his issues, uh, wouldn't do in-person appointments because, you know, COVID, you, you might get sick or whatever, right? So it was all telehealth appointments. Um, you know, some of the hurdles that he had to go through were very difficult. A hundred and, or how many pages? 130 page questionnaire, something stupid. Maybe it was 70 pages. Anyway, it was more than one. I think it might've been 70, but this big questionnaire he had to fill out, which he needed help to do because he didn't quite have the capacity to do it. Anyway, got through it, got his appointment, Psychiatrist says, oh, I'm working from home today, so I don't actually have your question or I haven't reviewed it, so I'll have to do that later and we'll set another appointment. And uh, it was pointed out that usually when people seek out a psychiatrist, it's because they know they have some problems and they want to work through it. They need to fix it. They know there's something wrong. They want help to fix it. This man was asking for help and he didn't get help because... COVID was the only thing people were concerned about. Anyway, um, the result of this was his mental health issues won the battle and he took his own life. And as this mother was testifying, the impacts of the restrictions and mandates or about how the, the, the restrictions and mandates impacted her life and her son's life and her family's life I had this horrible feeling as she told this story that, oh my goodness, this man who was already in a fragile state of mind couldn't get the help he needed because everybody was scared of only one thing and nothing else mattered. And I think I know where this story is going, but I kept crossing my fingers hoping it wasn't going there. And eventually it went there and, uh, you know, it hit me like a, not even like a freight train. It was worse than that. Because at least he survived the freight train, but this woman lost her son because of this. And I turned and I looked in the rest of the room, and there wasn't a dry eye in the place. You know, for every one story you hear like this, there's a thousand more you don't hear. For every one story of loss and and debilitating injury you hear as a result of what people have been pushing on us over the last three years, there's a thousand you don't hear. I heard one of these stories uh, very early on in my protest, and... If I had to put my finger on a reason why I didn't just stop and, you know, had made my point and, and complied and stayed out of trouble, it was because uh, a woman just like that called me and said, thank you for standing up because there's more going on than people realize. And it wasn't her son, it was her brother. But what happened is she had a brother, this is in Saskatchewan, uh, with some mental health issues. Uh, functioning enough to be on his own, but needed some help. So he had an aide that came and checked on him every day or two days or whatever, helped him with basic things. If he had any problems that were out of the ordinary, that person helped him because he wasn't capable of doing it himself. So COVID comes around and now everyone's scared to do anything. And the only thing that matters is not getting sick. The only thing that matters is COVID. We have to flatten the curve at all costs. We have to protect the healthcare system at all costs. Well, in this case, the cost was the life of that young man. Because all he needed was the help that he normally got. He needed his carry to come and check on him and ask him questions like, how are you doing? To which he could have replied, you know, I'm doing okay, but my, my tummy doesn't feel very good. And they would have looked into it and found that he had an issue with his uh, uh, gastrointestinal system that was easily fixable, but he didn't know to ask for help. So 
after two weeks of this lady and her mother trying to get a hold of you know, her brother and, and her son, uh, he was found dead in his bathroom because nobody would check on him because COVID was the only thing people cared about. And I spoke out about this as loudly as I could in the beginning. Why are we ignoring every other health impact that, that people are facing and only focusing on this one thing that isn't even as dangerous as they say it is. And I was right back then, and I'm right now, and the statistics show it. So all those people that laughed in the beginning and said, oh, you know, just do your part, just comply, this is so whatever. They're responsible for this because they were too stupid to see through it. They helped push the narrative, and people died. That's the reality. Anyway, there was more uh, testimonies, some personal things, some professional stuff, uh, you know, an expert witness here and there. But at the end of the day, it's just uh, Albertans sharing their stories about how the government's mismanagement of this pandemic harmed them or caused them loss. It's the other side of the story that the media won't tell you. It's the other side of the story that the politicians won't mention. Because at the end of the day, you know who's responsible for making these decisions that are supposed to uh, um, allow us the opportunity to keep ourselves safe? It's the duty of our elected officials. It's not the chief medical officer of health or your doctor that's supposed to drive public policy. It's the premier. The provinces are responsible to administer health, period. The premier is the leader of the province, and the premier is the one that makes these decisions with a team, like the team that Lieutenant Colonel David Redmond would have put together and offered to put together to help get Alberta through this pandemic. But that didn't happen. Instead, it was done a different way. They put non-experts in charge with no experience in emergency planning or response. And the results have been absolutely catastrophic. And yes, you don't see it on the news. CBC did run an article about the NCI in uh, Winnipeg, I believe. And I think it was a fairly fair and balanced article. But none of the other ones were there. There was no CTV rep. There was no CBC rep. You know, our Red RD News wasn't there. None of the radio stations were there. There was one reporter there. I have a great respect for him because he looks at these things from both sides and kind of wants to be, you know, mainstream, but can't because he's a good guy and he won't ignore the facts in front of him. So he writes reality. But other than that, there was no media there. But Whistlestop Cafe was there live streaming to our Facebook page and some people saw it. I hope that more people see this. Uh, they're going to be going to uh, the Lower Mainland, uh, Vancouver, in four four days, I believe. Three, four days, I guess. They're going to be down there talking to some more Canadians. Uh, they're going to be out in Ottawa and one more place that I can't remember. But I hope that the media picks this up more than they are because it really is stuff that people need to hear. One person speaks up. There's a thousand people that have the same problem. They're going through the same things, and they have no idea that they're not alone. But that lady who 
has debilitating vaccine injuries that we heard from today, she's not alone. The lady that lost her son um, is not alone. The, the retired colonel who was trying to sound the alarm as an expert in this field and was largely ignored by the government is not alone. The business owner who had his doors chained shut because he refused to comply to tyrannical rules in protest that were harming him and those around him is not alone. The doctor that wanted to be a doctor but had to deal with a bullshit uh, Alberta Health Services who has no regard for the health of Albertans and is only concerned about political posturing is not alone. Dr. Daniel Nagasi from that was up in Rimby treating his patients with uh, drugs that were not or that were not available for that, but okay to use off label is not alone. As a matter of fact, I had a I had lunch today with one of my very early pandemic heroes. He's a doctor that stuck his neck out, risked it all, and pretty much almost lost it all because he believed in helping people. In my lifetime, as a Canadian, as an Albertan, I can say that I am friends with a doctor who had to treat people and cure them as a doctor under the cover of darkness in secret under threat of losing his livelihood because he wanted to treat his patients. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for that man. And it was a great privilege to have lunch with him today. You can just guess who he is. Isn't that crazy that in Canada, doctors have to sneak around to, to cure people? I'm quite literally nobody. I'm average in almost every way, except for my belly. It sticks out farther than most, except for that pregnant lady that I saw today. Um, I'm not university educated. I took one year of college for heavy duty mechanics, of which I didn't even do my apprenticeship because I got bored with it. I spent almost 20 years, no, 20 years in the energy industry. So you could call me a dirty roughneck. Uh, and I ended up as a cook and a waitress in a small town cafe. And I could see that something was wrong right away. I could see that the government wasn't doing the right thing right away. I mean, I didn't speak up right away because I was a chicken shit, but I could see it. And if I could see it, if one person like me can see it, then anybody who's smarter than me would be able to see it, which means that there's hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people that know that what happened was wrong. I'm a nobody, and yet I could see something on this thing, of which most of you have. For instance, uh, hey, there's, why are these countries, why do these countries not have such a COVID problem as we do? Well, the climate's different. Um, it's a different race of people. Um, what else is different? Well, you know, they have malaria problems. They frequently treat for parasites with a drug called ivermectin. What's ivermectin? Oh, interesting. There's some people saying that it's used 
or it can be used as early treatment of COVID. Wow, I'm going to look into this. Oh, imagine that. This particular country included ivermectin in their cocktail to treat for some waterborne parasites a year before COVID, and they didn't have a pandemic. Other countries in Africa, same thing. They didn't have a pandemic. India treated with ivermectin. They didn't. Their COVID numbers are one quarter of what Canada's are, and their population density is 30 times what ours is. I'm nobody. And I saw that uh, a, a small little country was doing this, was treating people successfully. They were sending out packages in the mail with this, this drug and some others that had been mentioned by, you know, just nobody doctors like, oh, I don't know, Peter McCullough and Jay Bhattacharya and, you know, Ryan Cole, just people who don't really know what they're talking about. That was sarcasm, by the way. I'm nobody, yet I thought, hey, I can find out if this is real. I can phone El Salvador and talk to them in broken Spanglish. I did that. I called the Ministry of Health in El Salvador and in my broken Span Spanish and the ladies Spanglish, we had a conversation lasted about 15 minutes to which I confirmed that the government down there was sending these things out to their citizens and it was effective as an early treatment. I did that and I run a friggin' gas station and our government didn't know our government couldn't do that. Bullshit. They could do that. And they did do that. And by this time they were watching my stuff because they were trying to build a case against me. So the RCMP and Alberta health services and occupational health and services, and even the folks at AGLC, they were watching my stuff and they saw me talking about it. They could have confirmed it themselves easily with a Google search. And yet nothing was done about it. And the premier of this province put people down and said, oh, you know, people are using veterinary medicine to try and treat this and it's so dangerous. No, it's not, you fucking idiot. It was actually saving lives all over the world, except for in Alberta, where instead of being a leader, you were causing division and allowing people to die needlessly to push your narrative that there was one solution, sorry, two solutions, lockdowns and vaccines. Now, this National Citizens Inquiry, this group of average everyday citizens who are trying to get the truth out there, they're doing the same kind of thing, but in a more formal way that people shouldn't be ignoring. And they are ignoring it. Because as Danny Bulford pointed out yesterday, people are more interested in their comfort than they are the truth. People are more interested in staying in the matrix and just living life as if everything's normal than getting outside the matrix and realizing there's a problem and doing the work to fix it. You know what they say, pimping ain't easy. Is that what they say? No, that's not the right word. Nothing worth doing is easy. And I really hope that people, this information starts to trickle out more and more and more and people start to think about it and accept that if they just, if everybody does a little bit of work, the job that we have to do is going to be that much easier. And the sooner we do it, the sooner we get back to being a, a civilized society where we value each other and we can actually live in peace and harmony and focus on being okay. 
and we're not there right now because there's people that watch my stuff that are they, they publicly state that they're disappointed that Carrie and I didn't die in a train wreck. They're disappointed that there's not two less free dumbers on the planet. Well, guess what, asshole? This free dumber is concerned about you and your family as well. And someday it's going to be somebody that you know who's impacted by these things. Maybe somebody you know is going to have a debilitating vaccine injury. Or maybe somebody you know isn't going to get proper treatment in the hospital because everybody's only focusing on one thing. And all of the sudden, your world is going to change and you're going to realize how important it was to speak up way back when you had the opportunity to. So go ahead. Laugh at the retired uh, Army Lieutenant Colonel that's taking time out of his retirement to try and save lives. Laugh at that online. Do what you got to do. You know what? Laugh at the lady who lost her son, you piece of shit. Laugh at the Polish immigrant. No, it's not Art Pulowski. This was a lady. Laugh at the Polish immigrant who is warning you that she's seeing the same signs of tyranny creeping into Canada that she saw in the 80s when she was jailed for spreading information that the government didn't approve. She was a member of the Solidarity Movement, distributing pamphlets, and she got caught. And she got three and a half years in jail for distributing pamphlets that the government didn't like. Hey, that reminds me, they just passed Bill C-11 today. Don't you feel safer? This Polish immigrant who basically, she, she ran from her home to Canada because Canada is the freest place on the planet and she wanted freedom. So she came to Canada and she is warning you that it smells like Poland in the 70s. And if you don't do something now, you're gonna not have you're gonna lose the opportunity to do something in the future. She's warning you, and she has seen it before. As a Canadian, I've never seen it. You've probably never seen it either. 99% of Canadians have never ever seen the kind of tyranny that this lady has seen. Or my friend Archer Pulowski has seen. He was there as well, him and his wife and his brother. They've seen these things. And they're trying to warn you so that you don't have to go through it. And some of you just laugh at it. Well, you're not going to be laughing forever. And someday you're going to have to own your actions. You're going to have to... You're going to have to sleep in the bed you made. Speaking of sleeping in the bed that I made... I'm not going to go to bed yet because I'm really enjoying this. Just kidding. I do have to go to bed because I have a big day of testifying at the National Citizens Inquiry tomorrow and being laughed at by people who have a complete disregard for human life and have no idea what can happen if you don't stand up for yourself and you allow tyranny to continue. And it's exhausting. But you know what makes it less exhausting? The thousands of hugs. That's right. Right? Yes. And punch and pie. Have a great night, everybody. And I will see you tomorrow in Red Deer at the National Citizens Inquiry at the Baymont Hotel. Be there 
or be there. Wait. What? Yes. Impressive.